Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Hey, I just want to say good morning to you and welcome. It's good to see you all online or in person. If you're joining us for the first time, I want you to know that we've been walking through the book of Romans, and what an amazing journey it's been so far. It's been so timely, and I believe that as a community, we're better for it. And so if you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and watch the past messages. You can do this. Uh, You can also listen on our podcast as you walk your dog or wash the dishes, whatever it may be. But this morning, we're going to be talking about Romans chapter 14. And so if you're a note taker this morning, you can find the message notes at thecrosspointchurch.ca slash notes. Now, let me tell you before we begin, as you get to the end of the book of Romans, things get really practical. So we're going to focus on a few key verses from this passage on 14 and extract some timeless principles for the everyday life of a believer, you and me and those of you who are sitting at home. And so before we continue, let's pray for God's guidance and invite his spirit to work in us right now. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I admit to you today that we just need you. I need you right now. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would reveal and illuminate. Help us now to see things that we've never seen before in ourselves and in our lives. And I just ask most of all that you continue to mold each and every one of us into the likeness of Jesus and that you would renew our minds today. We love you. Amen. Amen. Hey, my hope this morning is not to give you all the answers, as if I have all of them, but I want to give you a framework. A framework that will help you think about and act on questions of conscience. And so admittedly, this message today is for believers in Christ. But if, if you're still just figuring out where you stand with Jesus, I want you to know you're still welcome. But if you're a follower of Jesus, I have a specific message for you. And the message is this. Mind your business. Mind your business. I know this sounds a little bit cheeky, but I'm a youngest child, so (laughs) bear with me a little bit. But this really matters, so pay attention right now. You and me, we all need to know that we are not judge and or jury, right? As Eugene Peterson said once, you've got your hands full just taking care of your own life before God. And so now this is not an invitation for us to ignore other believers, like a parent might try to manage their children, just stay away from each other, right? Or a plea to tolerance or worse yet, even avoidance. But instead, this is a warning to have an even greater consideration for other believers in Jesus, above and before yourself. How? By keeping your business in order. You know, Dallas Willard, one of the most trusted voices on spiritual formation, had something to say about our business. What is that? He once wrote, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is keep God before our minds, the inner part of our being. 
This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. And in the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things that are less than God. But these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God ever before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. And if God is the great longing of our souls, he will become the pole star of our inward beings. In other words, Willard is saying minding our own business is to be preoccupied, so preoccupied with our own life with God, so much so that you don't have the attention span to judge other believers. Instead, we are focused on what he wants us to do and how he wants us to treat others in the body. Tell me, does that describe your life today? I'm sometimes scared by the answer to that for myself. What is our business then? Romans has taught us how to both love God and to love people. This love is the fulfillment of the law and the substance of God's power at work. It is the heart of the gospel and embodied by the person of Jesus. So for the love of God, please mind your business. See, because when we keep our business straight, disputable matters are such a small thing, really. But in the early church in Rome, they struggled to keep their business in check. Like churches today, they argued and bickered about things that are important but not vital. Like dress codes and traditions and unspoken social expectations and hors d'oeuvres and norms. More specifically, believers in Rome, where Paul is talking about, they were arguing about personal comfort levels. They were facing questions of conscience. In other words, that inner confidence that we each have inside of ourselves about whether something is right or wrong. And their personal convictions, their varying convictions, formed their opinions and dictated their behavior. But not everyone in Rome, in the church, could agree on issues of conscience. So here Paul gives us two examples of questions of conscience that divide the church there. So in verse 2, Paul says, One person believes that he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. And again in verse 5, Paul says, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. See, what's happening here is that believers are arguing about food and holidays. Can you believe it? It seems silly when we talk about it right now, right? But there's more to it. Let me explain what's happening in this multicultural church in Rome. Let's talk about temple meat. In ancient Rome, meat sold at market was often butchered at pagan temples. And so many Jews and Gentiles who followed Jesus couldn't get over that, uh, that connection, that association. It was like chewing on pennies. The very thought of it made them feel icky. Temple meat didn't stand up to Jewish standards, but it's more than that. For many Jews, keeping kosher was a way to honor their heritage and show reverence for 
God. And so some, gen, some um, Gentiles on top of that didn't want to be associated with idols anymore because that part of their life was behind them. And so for both of these people, these groups, the temple meat was out of the question. And still some other Jewish and Gentile Christians thought meat was meat. Bacon is bacon. It's delicious. I'm free in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> we can do that. Um, it was all about how each individual looked at it and how they felt about it. Next example Paul gives us, let's talk about sacred days. The church in Rome also faced the divisive issue on sacred days. For Jewish believers in Christ, they still felt this close connection and a desire to observe the Sabbath, the pilgrimages, and the feast days of the Mosaic tradition. And on the other hand, what's interesting is that some Jews who became believers in Christ, they didn't necessarily feel obligated to observe these days as holier than any other anymore. Alternatively, there was Gentiles who came to Christ and they embraced the sacred days from the Jewish tradition. They found them new and exciting and enriching. And still there's this other group of Gentile believers that didn't feel like they needed to practice holidays to follow Jesus. For them, Christ made every day sacred. Every day was special in Christ. Can you imagine that? I mean, as Christians, we love holidays, right? Christmas, Easter, uh, family day, you know? <laughs> There's so many. We just give us a reason to party. You know, they're fun, but they're also purposeful. They help us reflect and focus on Jesus, on the face of, of God. But, you know, there is a good point here. But what about the other 300 or so days of the year? You know, modern believers could probably benefit from finding something sacred in each and every day. Both positions present us with good points of reason. It's all how you look at it. It's all how you look at it. But one question remains. What should believers do about matters of conscience? So whether it's temple kebabs or sacred days or whatever else, are we free as believers in Christ to choose our own adventure in these matters? Well, Paul acknowledges that there's this divide existing between believers and there's a problem here. We quarrel over our personal convictions. And this is uh, an unnecessary spiritual strength war. But to be clear, as a church, there's some primary beliefs that we confess right here today and as a leadership that are vital and true. We defend the nature of God, the reality of our eternal need, the good news of Jesus, our redemption and the renewal of all things. But you know what? Many times that's not what's up for debate. There are just so many other things to argue about. And so if we're not careful, there, we can find ourselves right in the middle of that as a person, as a church. But here's the good news. We cannot reject who God has welcomed. Paul sets us right. In verse 4, chapter 14, he says, Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. In other words, Paul is saying, how can we hold each other accountable for convictions on matters of conscience? Are they accountable to us? Well, no. Are we able to make a correct and definitive judgment on the matter? Well, probably not. See, this is good news because for God is a righteous judge. 
Even better, he is a gracious judge. First of all, every servant is accountable to his own master. As followers of Jesus, I am, and so are you. And in that relationship, every one of us is accountable for our own attitudes and actions. That's our business. Second, our master will judge correctly. And when it comes to questions of conscience and disputable matters on issues that are neither here nor there or wrong in that of themselves, the truth is only God, our master, can judge well. Because only God knows what's really going on in our hearts. Whether we intend to do wrong or if we are carrying guilt in our souls. That's God's business. And finally, our master is gracious towards us. That's the good news. Not only has he granted us forgiveness, but he can keep us from falling. And it is his grace that keeps us upright in the end. See, God's welcome is at the center of the good news of Jesus. And so when we criticize other believers over matters of conscience, we are interfering with the very message of the gospel. Paul would later say, do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Every believer, you and me, in Christ has God's welcome. And so they should have their fellow believers welcome too. So how should we faithfully navigate matters of conscience then? I know that many of us, myself included, want clean-cut answers to questions of conscience. But there just isn't an exact map to help us navigate some matters. So when we have, because when we have these neat exact locations on a map, it suggests that we can arrive. And things like talking about arrival, thinking we can arrive is just such dangerous talk. Because I can assure you that none of us are ever finished. We have, we will never arrive. Instead, God has provided us with sort of a compass. And so this is the only way we can properly find our way in uncharted territory of the heart. We need an inner source of direction on an ever-changing path. And so thankfully, Paul gives us three guiding principles for minding our own business, which is welcome, honor, and love. So the first principle for minding our own business is to practice welcome. Paul says in verse 1, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him but not to quarrel over opinions. See, what's important to Paul here is that how believers with different convictions treat each other. Paul is saying that those who feel free to eat whatever they want shouldn't scoff at those who keep a diet. And likewise, those who pass on certain foods shouldn't judge those who eat freely. And God has welcomed them both. Think of it this way. God's grace is kind of like a banquet table. And all believers have been invited to share what Christ has prepared for us there. Now, suppose another believer starts to go around the table and he goes and he begins to tell fellow believers to leave the table. And as he goes, he begins to cross their names off the guest list. How do you think God would feel about that? How can we deny other believers when God has welcomed us both? So my question to you today is, how do we treat other people, other believers who have different convictions from us? Do you cringe at people who like rock and roll? That used to be a thing. 
Maybe you roll your eyes at, in disgust at someone who enjoys a good Merlot with dinner. That can be a thing. How about those who wear yoga pants or play card games? <laughs> right? I'm glad I said that first, because what about those who wear masks and don't wear masks? Those who get vaccinated and abide by restrictions and those who don't. How do you treat them? See, these are matters of opinion for believers, questions of conscience. And God is calling us to welcome each other no matter where we stand. What could practicing welcome look like for each of us? I'm going to suggest perhaps it looks like showing interest in other believers' points of view. Enjoying a non-confrontational dialogue about personal convictions over coffee. Right? And maybe the most difficult possibility of all, being open to seeing things differently. And maybe through the grace of God, we might change. But you know, sometimes we make assumptions about why people do something. Paul suggests that motive is everything. And this is why the next principle for minding our own business is to honor God in all things. Paul says in verse 6, The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. You see, something might seem unnecessary to you, but somebody else might honor God in it. How can we deny that? We need to be careful in how we assess what lay behind our opinions. We might be surprised why people think and do things. The problem is that sometimes we just really assume the worst in each other, don't we? So to set the record straight, these are not just matters of opinion. Because behind each opinion is a fellow believer with a story, a history, and a deep conviction. And deep inside them is this inner sense of right and wrong that God has planted in them. And it is changing and it is growing as God is at work in our lives. And this is a matter between you and the Lord. The truth is that between us and God, what we feel confident to do may vary. Now, this may change and grow in time. I admit that how one honors God is full of a vast supply of opportunities. But at any given point in time, believers honor God according to their conscience. Let me give you a modern example that's not as risque or dangerous, okay? Social media, for example, is neither good nor bad in itself. How we use Facebook, our devices and our time can become a problem, but objectively, social media is morally neutral. Some of you might disagree with that. Um, in fact, you know, social media, I can admit, can be an amazing way to keep us connected and to share the gospel, right? However, six months ago, I felt compelled to give up social media. And it was an issue of conscience where I felt convicted to abstain from media platforms, like, indefinitely. Instead, I wanted to fix my attention towards God and my family. And in this absence, I believe God is being glorified. Now, surely, we are all free to use technology and social media if we want. And it doesn't make us better if we don't. It doesn't make us better if we do. One person honors God with social media, and while another honors him without it. But surely none of you will give me a hard time for saying no to that freedom. 
right? Thank you. Maybe you could just love me on this one. And thankfully, that's exactly what God is calling us to do. That's why Paul's third guiding principle for minding our business is to walk in love. Paul says, starting in verse 13, Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know and I am persuaded that in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. See, what Paul is saying here is that when it comes to issues of conscience, it's not about what you do, it's about how you do it. If you can't practice liberty or restraint without hurting others, stop and sort your business out. You're doing the right thing in the wrong way. You're neither honoring God nor loving others. Let's try an exercise together this morning. This is going to be fun. Insert your own life into this you know, scenario, into the blanks. You don't have to put your hand up. We're not calling anyone out. Okay? Relief. Here's, here's the exercise. If you can't do the what, whether it's the restraint or the liberty, the freedom, without compromising the how, which is loving our brothers and sisters, then don't do the what for the sake of the who. Reminds me of Abbott and Costello. Does anyone remember them? Okay. Anyways, the who being you and me, our family at Crosspoint and God. If you can't do the what without compromising the how, don't do the what for the sake of the who. Let's take this for a whirl. Practice round. If you can't make macaroni without starting a fire, don't use the stove so you don't hurt anybody. See how that works? Now let's be serious. If you can't act on your convictions and be loving towards fellow believers, you need to take care of your business. See, Paul shows us that when it comes to matters of conscience, we should let welcome, honor, and love be our guide. Think of it this way. You can use these two questions to guide you today and throughout this week and for the rest of your life, really. To the Christian libertine, for example, here's an interesting question. Can you be so free, so free that you can give up your freedom for the sake of loving others? Because maybe if you can't be free without being unloving, then emancipate yourself from your freedom. If that's you today, don't put your hand up. We're not doing that. Here's a question for you. When you're feeling prideful, ask yourself this. Am I being loving towards others? Yes? Well, then you've handled your business. No? Take care of your business. Consider your brother and your sister above and before yourself. Number two, to the Christian conservative, I mean in behavior, not in politics. Here's another question. In your restraint, can you reserve your judgment for the sake of loving others? If you can't heed your conscience and love others, there's no honor in that. If that's you today, don't put your hand up. Here's a question to guide you. When you're feeling judgmental, as we all do sometimes, ask yourself, is that person honoring God in their freedom? Yes? Then mind your business, right? No? Keep your 
Keep on minding your business because God can handle it. He is at work and he is the judge of that. Don't get in the way of what God is doing, destroying the work of God by terrorizing your brothers and sisters. I'm not used to that. <laughs> See, but seriously, these questions reveal if we're walking towards love for others and honoring God. See, these two planes should be the focus of our lives and the trajectory of our spiritual journey. And I believe that as we all follow Jesus together and grow in spiritual maturity, matters of conscience become the central part of, or a central part of our relationship with Christ. And so in relationship with Jesus, we, what we feel confident is right or wrong can change and grow as we become convinced by the living word of God and through the work of the Holy Spirit. See, Paul says in verse 5 that each of us should be fully convinced in our own minds. Which suggests, first, our conscience can be convinced either way, right? And second, that our conscience can be partially convinced. There's a progressive journey going on. And finally, that there is a possibility of change. We can change. And on matters of conscience... Uh, they're all part of a process that we call spiritual formation. And some of us are on different, at different stages in the journey. And not all of us land at the same place on issues of conscience. On issues of doctrine and theology, we can know what Jesus would do. The scriptures show us what God is like and what Jesus did. In the 90s, we even made bracelets about it. You remember what the bracelet said? What would Jesus do? Right? But on issues of conscience, a different question applies. Why? Well, because the scriptures don't give us direction on every topic and scenario. Instead, we must ask ourselves something like, what would I do if Jesus were here? And I know that seems like a strange question, but it hits a lot closer to home, doesn't it? It describes that intimate relationship that we have with Jesus, and one where Christ has access to our inner being, and where he is holding us accountable for our current convictions. And where he slowly calibrates it to be in tune with what he says is right and true. And so as we close today, I want you to take a moment, close your eyes and consider three questions. The first question is this. Are you welcoming? What does that mean? That means how do you treat people with different convictions from your own? Are you welcoming? The second question is, what's on your conscience? Are you listening to your inner convictions? And the second question I think is really important is, do they honor God and love others? those convictions. What's on your conscience? And finally, consider this. Where is your conscience? Has your convictions moved? Have they changed? Why have they changed? And what would it look like to listen to these new convictions? Would, would that be a good idea if you did? Church, today, 
we really need to assess now more than ever, are we welcoming? What are our convictions? Have they changed? And as you ask those questions, I pray that God would give you wisdom. Let me pray for you as we close. Lord, we thank you for the gift of conscience. Because of you, we're no longer wandering around life with hearts of stone and with feeble minds. We actually feel something. And because of you, something inside of us has awakened. Help us to keep you before us in all that we think and do. As our true north. And I also ask that through the life of your son and the work of your spirit, that we would honor you with our convictions. And that we would extend loving welcome to our fellow believers in Jesus. That's our prayer today. We love you. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.